Hello and welcome to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. This is the podcast that understands there are many different routes to success in the garden. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Blake, Laura's deputy. Coming up later on The Dirt, we're discussing the plastic plant boom and Laura's got her March jobs on the plot for you. But before that, we're joined by the RHS School Gardening Champion of 2019, Michelle Jones. Hello, Michelle. Hi, everybody. Thanks for inviting me. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. How are you today? How is uh, life in London? Oh, London is always a whirlwind of excitement. So we've had lots of sun, wind, and uh, lots of exciting things going on. Cool, so thanks for coming on The Dirt. And obviously... um, you know that we like to get down and dirty with all the bad and the failures and the mistakes that happen in the garden. But first up, we wanted to talk about some of the successful uh, stories and things that have gone well. So I wonder whether you've got any of those for us. So at Ashmount Primary School in North London, we've gone from having no garden at all to now having a wonderful plot where the children come along two times a week, sometimes with their parents or during the school day and we basically do everything. We dig up worms, we <laughs> plant loads of seeds, which is great and fantastic to see. Um, we've had children that really don't eat vegetables or like herbs or Yeah, I bet there's a few of those. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So and so them coming along and having a go and then trying what they've grown has been real great to experience yeah definitely um can you tell us a little bit about how how the school garden started yes so I basically started two years ago in my north london bedroom um on the top floor in the flat um with my two children so it obviously you can't grow in your bedroom (laughs) what made you do what made you start that up um well my son's had said to me, Mummy, where did where does tomatoes come from? And oh. I'd explained it to them and they're like, But mummy, we see them in the supermarket. They're not in soil on a bush yeah. or on a vine. Um and it really disturbed me that that was their interpretation of food. Mm. So we literally went out and got some compost, a few seeds, and it started off with a few tomatoes, um, indoor herbs that you could grow, so like your basil, etc. And then they kind of got really excited. So mm. it ended up that I had sh- strawberry plants. Then we went to raspberry canes <laughs> and blackberry canes, and it was just kind of like a bit overwhelming. Yeah. So I approached Islington Council because I was lucky enough to have, within where I live, a small green uh, derelict space. And I asked them if it would be okay for us as a community, because it was really important for me as well to include the older generation within the block because it's something that they can kind of get involved in as well if they don't go out. And they can just get in the lift and go downstairs and um, muddle along with us. So we kind of started it up over the summer and it was really successful beyond my wildest imagination. So we had cucumbers, peppers, chilies, herbs, these canes were growing, we had strawberries, and it was just really amazing that my son, my eldest son, Reese, who's now 11, said to me, Mommy, why don't we think about going and doing it at school? 
Mm-hmm. Oh. So he wrote like a little businessman. He went to school with his <laughs> uh, portfolio that he had got, bless him. Uh-huh. And he took in some chilies that he thought it'd be really funny to see his headmaster um, <laughs> try these chilies and see if he could handle the heat. So he took them into school and he had his meeting and they approached me and said, would it be something that I would consider doing at school? So obviously I jumped at the chance because for me it was more greenery mm-hmm. and more space where I could grow and yeah. and, and kind of encourage because you don't realise how um, how enclosed the children are in London. It, I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can be enclosed even if you're in the countryside in the respect of that you don't have your own growing space. Yeah. But it was more so because we're all, there's lots of tower blocks flats and and restrictions so Mm -hmm. yeah so that was something that we started to do and I never believed that it would be something that grew into the success that it has now I mean after the first year we had 50 families that had joined up including parents that were getting involved really really wanted to see this succeed and so kind of yeah that's how it all kind of started but I will include sorry I'm it's not all me on my own um, Anna, my lovely Anna, and my lovely Eleanor, they <laughs> two are two parents that we call ourselves the trio of awesomeness because <laughs> we're fabulous, of course. It's funny how um, there's sort of you don't know how much appetite there is for something like that until you do it and now you've done it and like 50 families is quite a lot of people that were clearly all wanting something like that to happen but nobody was doing yeah. it so yeah. it takes somebody to do it doesn't it? Yeah, you're totally right. And it's just a little, uh, just volunteer. If you don't mind volunteering and just getting real dirty and wanting to push forward, then yeah, it was, they got, we all got together and we just said, and we all from different walks of life. I mean, I might not have never had the conversation with them before, but when I found out their passion for gardening, mm-hmm. we just connected and we're kind of like these three sisters of gardening that now kind of every day we're on the phone discussing where we can get some more seeds from or where's the best compost that you can get so we've we've built this kind of community now um at the school so yeah it's it's really been fabulous it, um it must have been a really proud moment for you as well sort of realizing how much your son had enjoyed that and that he took the initiative to put the idea forward and things yeah no definitely well my so now we literally grow our own food if uh, within means obviously mm-hmm. but we grow our own salad herbs um berries um last year at Ashmount as well we started uh we've planted some trees so we've got apples and pear trees that we raise money for in a cake sale wow. um so the, the some of the pets so we ask parents to kind of make things from natural fruit or from natural vegetables Mm -hmm. so we had like chocolate and beetroot muffins that turned up they were awesome and like rhubarb with the mint that was picked from the gardens and different different things coleslaws potato salad um and we sold them at school and then that raised money for us to be able to buy these apple and pear trees so within five years we'll have our own producing like apple and fruit trees and pear trees so it'll be fabulous for the children to be able to see where they come from again Mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of how it it happened but my youngest son sorry I mustn't forget him 
He absolutely loves it. I mean, he's the one that loves to dig the holes and get in the mud, <laughs> pick out the worms and everything. So, so yeah, we're all, it's kind of become a family thing where we all embrace it and share with the, the extended family and school. It's so nice because I think sometimes like you can do the gardening by yourself and um, and enjoy that. But it's nice to hear that you're kind of building a community and it's building your relationships with people as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, but definitely. And I think the real important thing at the moment that they're really emphasizing on is the fact of it really helps mental health. You might be the most happiest person externally, but within you're not. And sometimes just doing going to the garden, like I said, you might have had a rough day and you just go and dig a hole to go and plant something that you know is going to produce something quite fabulous and tasty. Yeah. It, it really helps you to kind of, you know, release all your stresses. So, mm. yeah, gardening is beyond just what you can grow. It is what, how it actually helps you as a person. So, Absolutely. yeah, that's been really good. And obviously at the start of the show, I mentioned that off the back of doing all of this, you've um, been crowned like the RHS school gardening champion of last year so how was that oh well well to be quite honest like I said I've I've been doing this for like this is my my second year Uh so doing when I got told by Anna again it was Anna and Eleanor and um, Lucy who was a deputy head they decided that I really needed to be given this accolade and I when they first told me I won't lie to you I was kind of shocked and taken aback and I was thinking why me what a what is it that I've done that could really reward me in such a such a prestigious award um, for me to get that? Yeah. And yeah, I could. To be honest with you, I was. I'm still quite overwhelmed now. Um, fight, like being to- like you saying that to me, I get kind of goose pimply and shy and go pink <laughs> because I can't believe I can't believe that I'm actually the the RHS champion. It's such an amazing achievement. To be honest with you, I mean, it's the best thing that's ever happened, to be honest. Yeah, wow. From something that was just a passion, a kind of an enjoyment I was doing with my, like I said to you, my children, to and reaching out to families at school and to them knowing that I'm kind of helping other parents and other schools, not just locally, but on a wider scale, to see actually, do you know what? You don't have to be rich. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have all of the knowledge, mm-hmm. but you can just go out and do something and, and and help others. And if you join your little community, it's fantastic. And the RHS community are, are literally amazing. I mean, it wasn't just the award that we won. Last year, we also went to Hampton Court Palace and we done It's a Wild World. And the children had built this bug hotel um, mm-hmm. That they called Ashmount Astoria, which that oh. was fantastic. It's the things that the RHS school gardening team kind of instill in you as 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 volunteers. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not just you're re- they're reaching a wider a wider market, a wide a wider clientele, uh, and people you kind of can't help yourself but fall in love with it. I mean, it's I, everywhere I go. I mean, I'm literally. RHS schools, if you want to do anything, yeah, RHS schools. If you want to know about gardening, it's literally RHS schools because, <laughs> and they're so lovely. The people there are amazing. Whistly Gardens, I mean, that when I went there, I was, my eyes nearly popped out of my head. I yeah. just could have stayed there for about a week looking and continuously looking. 
um, yeah, so they are fabulous. And um, so moving on to our next question, I know Blake has yeah. pre-warned you. We then like to hear about some yeah. of the things that haven't gone quite so well. And I should imagine gardening with big groups of children, you probably <laughs> have a few amusing ones of those, I would think. Uh, yeah, we've definitely got a few of those. So, I mean, last year was incredibly, let's ask the word that I can use, challenging as it were because <laughs> going from doing it at home to then having like all of these eager eyes looking at you thinking that you know everything and yeah. not realizing that so when we plant seeds at school we have we've got this thing now where we have these backups because we don't know how they will turn out and the children expect to see them growing I mean last year we did so obviously you're all excited We've got these seeds because we've done level one RHS award and mm-hmm. level two. So we'd received these seeds from the school garden, the school gardening team there. And so we started, we thought, all right, let's just sow the seeds. So January it was, and we sowed these seeds. And you, schools obviously have the heating on all the time. So we didn't think um, about having to extra water them or the possibility of leaving them on the radiator and going back the next day and they're totally dried out and nothing's happening (laughs) so um yeah that was that was um definitely uh, a funny moment or going over half term and forgetting to go and water them (laughs) because you're so consumed with like your own kids that you forget about these plants and then you go back and it looks like wild dried grass and you're like, oh my gosh what is what have we done <laughs> so yeah definitely from that perspective I would say to you if I'm doing if you're doing school gardening don't be eager with the seeds just wait because mm-hmm. it'll be better to wait and then the children won't be disappointed um yeah. we did uh we also have done like um broad beans and forgetting to stake them and mm. you go back and they've toppled over because they can't hold their weight that uh, definitely was a that definitely was a faux pas of mine. Um, I guess that's good though because the kids are getting to learn how to do it at the same time and finding out yeah, stuff like well, that as well. So learning by mistakes is good. Definitely, that was yeah, definitely a big, big mistake. Um, you know, another thing as well, if you've got a compost bin, don't plant anything close by because all of the mini beasts will go and eat all of your thing, your produce out off of there. So like. We had butternut squash that yeah. um, I thought would be really great to plant next to the compost bin. <laughs> and it grew a lovely, you know, you start seeing the lovely bell shape and it looks fabulous. And you're all excited thinking, yeah, it's going to grow into something quite unctuous. And you go back and all of the slugs have eaten it. Oh. There's holes everywhere. Oh. So, yeah, that's definitely a tip. Don't grow next to the compost bin. Speaking of um, tips, do you have any tips personally that you've come across in the time that you've been growing that maybe aren't things that you'd read about in the textbooks but things that you've found have really worked for you and the school garden yeah so we do we, the main thing that I like to emphasize is you don't need to go out and buy loads of plastic things from the garden center yeah I think the best tip that I can offer anybody is to get your kids as eco-warriors friendly as possible. So going and raiding their mum's kitchen for like the milk bottles Mm. and you can cut them up 
or you know like the plastic I, it's not good to have plastic but unfortunately in the life that we live there's plastic everywhere but if you can reuse it that is the be- the the best thing possible so like yeah. your egg your egg containers be it plastic or be it cardboard you can grow you can grow and start your seedlings out in in that that's really great um other tips um definitely when you start your seeds especially within schools again like i said to you because it is quite warm definitely propagate them um i like we don't have we've not bought any propagating equipment but mm-hmm. if you get the top of bottles and poke little holes so if you cut the top of your two liter bottle of say water or some people it's not deny it have a fizzy drink mm-hmm. you cut the top off of that you know and leave the leave the lid on but poke holes in it around the outside mm-hmm. that would give you that kind of dome effect and that helps to keep your seedlings fresh covered but also warm so they grow nicely that that's definitely some of the tips that we've had and school dinners kids don't eat all of their school dinner so there's always going to be rubbish that's left over so get your school which I found really great get your school to separate your kind of non-compostable stuff Mm -hmm. into separate buckets and get the kids to collect that and then go and put it in your compost bin because then within a year's time you'll have compost and you can use that back again in the garden and it saves you money. Yeah, that's a great tip. I think what sounds really, really good about this is and what you're doing in the school is that um, it's not just, people might think it's just the gardening aspect, but like the kids are learning so much more about mm-hmm. other areas as well, which is really important, yeah. learning by doing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really enjoy it when I walk into school and the kids, I mean, other people look at me like I'm absolutely bonkers, but the kids <laughs> are like, I've collected like carrots from my roast the day before, the tops off of them. <laughs> Can we put them in the compost bin? <laughs> or I've got a root, you know, I've got the bowl, the end of the cabbage from mum cutting it up for a soup or whatever. And can we put it in there? Or I didn't eat all of my salad. I did eat a lot, Michelle, I promise. <laughs> but I didn't eat it all because we wanted to, I wanted to bring it in for compost, you know. <laughs> Things like that, it's really, really, it's encouraging. And, yeah. it, and yeah. beyond that, you can see the children are starting to think, I mean, we've, I had a little boy yesterday come up to me and asked me during gardening club. He said, I felt very sad. So I said, oh, why? Why are you sad? And he said, Michelle, I walked to school this morning and I saw lots of rubbish. I've asked my mom if we can get a litter picker and I can pick it all up and put it in the recycling um, in school. So I just said, you know what? That is absolutely lovely of you. He told me he's an eco-warrior. So I said, yeah. uh-huh. you're definitely an eco-warrior. And he said that the, if I love the world, the world will love me and that actually just you know and it warms your heart yeah so that's that was so really lovely. great so yeah have you noticed that having the school garden has had an impact on the vegetables that the children at the school will eat yeah so last year we did a real good topic it was especially after we had the terrible disaster of seed growing too early um mm. we did mushrooms so mm. we had a few mushroom boxes that we had got and we used those, uh, we, grew the, we grew the mushrooms, so the kids learned about how mushrooms grow and where they come from. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that, and a lot of them were like, ugh, we don't eat mushrooms, they're disgusting. And we were like, <laughs> oh, have you had 
a mushroom t- cheese toasty. Come on, that is the best thing on sliced bread. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so we, brought, we all brought our toasters in and we did these cheese uh, mushroom toasties and the kids loved them and absolutely enjoyed them. Um, so, yeah, that was great. Uh, we did uh, one of my one of the lovely little SEM boys that we have at school. He literally didn't eat nothing. He didn't like, he literally didn't eat fruit or vegetables. His mum said it to me, he just doesn't eat anything mm-hmm. um and he literally he literally started eating apples because he knew we were going to have an apple tree so he started collecting apple seeds for me oh, he tried uh-huh. tomatoes because we'd grown these tomatoes i mean all of the kids will have a try they, they even went to the extent of trying edible flowers because they couldn't <laughs> believe they could eat them so obviously we had to tell them you can't eat all flowers you must <laughs> ask your parents first but mm-hmm. they did they did try tried a, a broad spectrum of fruit and vegetables so it's been really really inspiring definitely um and before we finish up we'd like to ask about any major lessons or how you'd sort of um summarize it for any newbies that might want to get involved or even start a school garden I guess so for me I'd say to you don't be nervous and don't be scared failures are always there to be lessons learned no no can always be changed into a yes Mm -hmm. so Go, don't don't give up if you are told no. I mean, just turn up with your tomatoes growing, and the, the school will actually be excited by that. Yeah. Um, try not to worry. Funding. I know you do need funding, but if you all chip in together, you won't you won't realise how big the community can become. So we built off of that. Um, and the other thing I'd like to say is don't be deterred by the holidays because. What we done last year at Ashmount was really quite special as the children grew the food and we then, in the summer holidays, for the parents that didn't go on holiday, mm-hmm. because not everyone can go on holiday, mm-hmm. they would go over and water the plants. But what they did do, which was so heart-touching, was they would go and take off the produce. So we had things like courgettes, tomatoes, chilies, um, a variety of herbs, rhubarb, and different salad leaves and they donated it to the local charity uh homeless charity oh, wow. um street kitchens they, they'd give that to the street kitchens who what they do is they will cook they get donations of food um and they will go out on the streets and they will feed the homeless with it so the children learn empathy yeah. and learn that sharing really is caring so yeah. don't be deterred by the holidays because there's always someone that's around that will water the plants yeah so yeah just be positive and RHS schools they will help you definitely that's great and um, that's another example of how the project that you've started is so far reaching in your whole community and that's really amazing yeah no definitely I mean it's not just me it's, it's there's a, it's a whole group of us that uh make it make it work but if you take the parents out of it it's the children and how their thinking becomes quite different and they think about others Um, and as adults we do sometimes we grow up and forget about how to care and how to share Mm -hmm. and how to just be kind and the children remind you of that so yeah it's really good to get to get them thinking about others and how they can impact others lives by just growing a small seed that will grow into a, a big vine of tomatoes that you don't need to all keep yourself you can share 
so that that's something that that really really is great to see such a good life lesson for people to learn from a young age i think as well so Definitely. thank you so much for coming oh, on you're the welcome. Show. i think i don't think there'll be anybody that listens to that and can't feel inspired in some way so um yeah it's been really lovely having you on oh thank you for having me thank you everybody right blake we should go and get rose and get on with this week's team chat uh-huh. i know there are some very interesting topics to cover So as the great pop band Aqua once said, life in plastic, it's fantastic. But I'm going to have to say I don't agree. Right. Tell me more. <laughs> I've been thinking of that all day. That was um, a spectacular introduction. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, I saw this article on The Guardian about the plastic plant boom. Um, and it was talking about, and it's the second article I've read about this recently. And it was talking about how there's a real, been a real surge in plastic plants and their popularity. That's such a surprise, though, isn't it? Considering the big move away from plastics in a lot of other areas. That's what I thought. Quite weird that people are actually embracing plastic plants rather than the real thing. Mm. Um, I don't really get it. So in this first, the first article I read about it. Um, I wanted to read out one of the lines, which I think is just kind of a bit funny. Um, they said, on attacking a scale of one to four Liberace, fake flowers have historically ranked high, right up there with shag rugs and black velvet paintings. And among their many problems, imitation plants tend to collect dust, evoke images of corporate lobbies and takeout restaurants, and most significantly, never seem to trick the eye, either being too shiny and perfect or fraying at the edges. Yeah. Which I kind of agree with to an extent, and I don't really understand the plastic plant no, no I have to say they're not really to my taste. I get that they probably have purpose. their uses, but I it, I have to say I've seen a couple of things about this as well, and it does really surprise me. Yeah. I don't look at plastic plants and feel joy. <laughs> I know that's a really no, good point. I just feel a, a bit point. sad. Like, yeah. oh, you know, when you stumble across something and you're like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And then on closer inspection, yeah. you're like, oh, wait, it doesn't count because it's fake. I feel the same way. Yeah. And this is controversial when I go to Madame Two Swords. <laughs> <laughs> because you get there and you're like all excited you're like oh there's Cheryl Cole over there and then you get closer and it's like it just looks <laughs> like, like Michael would, Jackson but like surely gone you off would know that they're not real <laughs> no you say this I know we've segued a like little bit say. here but you say that but I am terrible in those situations and I actually went to Madame Tussauds in summer yeah I know you did that's why I felt a bit controversial was, saying it but there was the first room you know for anyone who's been there semi-recently, with the people scattered through it. So you're walking around. Now I'm rubbish at recognising people. So I was just standing there looking really closely at this person's who's face that? being like, who's that? Then they moved. So <gasps> they were just another person there. With a shiny face. <laughs> so I don't think that's a compliment. <laughs> as long as you didn't go and have your photo taken next to them. <laughs> Yeah, was <laughs> just acting out having a photo taken next to fake celebs. but anyway I, I totally know what you mean about the the, the joy thing and yeah. also the whole thing about there's part of me that thinks oh are people getting them as a time saving thing if yeah. they don't have time mm. to care for plants but then you've got to dust them and to my mind watering is more pleasurable than dusting every day yeah. of the week 
I totally agree. Like spend your time watering and keeping this plant alive, not having to clean and dust. And, and also they fade really easily in this. Like if you leave them on the windowsill, mm. they fade. Real plants but don't. I suppose we also have to look at the other side of the coin in things that they're useful for. Yeah. If I know. you're not able to get about as much as other people, you might not have the ability to water lots of plants, I mm. guess. So That's true. having a couple fake plants... My, I know I said that they don't bring me joy, but you some you can get nice ones. Like my mum loves fake plants because you know you can go to wherever like a high end supermarket and they do have some really nice ones and they're sort of already arranged in like a nice pot and mm-hmm. you can take them home and they're a really nice centerpiece and mm-hmm. they can I think they can spark joy for some people. And I do. Um, <laughs> you saying spark joy over and over and just keeps making me laugh. Oh. Um, I do think that. The idea that they don't look that realistic isn't really true anymore. They are quite yes, realistic. The, like them. recently I was in the garden centre with my friend and he was like, oh my God, look at that cactus. It's so cool. How did they get it to look like that? And then we walked closer and realised it was a plastic one. But from yeah, a little way distance away, it did look really realistic. But one of the things that said in the, um, the Guardian article about this, actually by uh, James Wong, who obviously speaks out on this kind of stuff quite frequently, he says that there's evidence of plastic runoff. So if you've got them outside, mm. tiny particles that will disappear away into the soil. And obviously also on that kind of green argument about them, the if you've got real plants and they're actually taking carbon dioxide out of the air, whereas these ones aren't doing it. So mm. it's like you're getting the benefits yeah. of the plant, but without the kind of good stuff yeah. that goes along with it. Although I don't think many people keep plastic plants outside. It's not something that I've heard of. No, that's true. I know that we actually do do this at my granddad's... Um, graves so it, it's actually this is quite a useful thing i think so rather than having to go up constantly and change flowers and cut flowers and even cut flowers aren't actually that um mm, environmentally yeah. friendly we're finding out more and more now but um yeah so being able to have some plastic flowers there is quite useful because they last such a long time and they don't take have that upkeep about them yeah. such a good point the whole environmentally friendly argument also reminds me of that other thing was it just before Christmas, maybe, where there was that real influx of everywhere you went, places were selling succulents that were covered in glitter. Mm. Yeah, I saw like some succulents of those. are really beautiful anyway. Yeah, I like glitter as, not, as much as the next person. But you but don't need <laughs> glitter on your succulents. No, like if you've got a beautiful plant, you definitely don't. That's so weird. That. And they're supposed to look like isn't the point of a fake plant that it's supposed to look real? Then you're going to put glitter yeah, on it. It's not a real plant real. So to make it's it like, look fake. Yeah. What's the point? Oh, wait. Do you mean real succulents? Oh, yeah. Real, oh, I think sorry. it was real succulents oh, with glitter on yeah, them. Yeah, that's bizarre. I don't know the point of that. And my other bugbear is the like spray painted heathers that you can get in garden centres. And my mum mm. was a real fan of them. So we had them all around our garden um, growing up. And I don't know why. I just, I just don't really like them. I've just got a bit of a bugbear against yeah. them. I guess that's the thing though, isn't it? Ultimately that it all comes down to personal whether you like it or not but I just I do think there's obviously the argument for environmental reasons and actually moving on sort of talking about environmental things and bringing waste into the argument I saw a story in the telegraph about regrowing vegetables from scraps and it was actually um linking to a book that we've recently um had in the office called regrow your veggies and it's talking about does what it says on the tin here you know um, <laughs> regrowing vegetables from 
your scraps. Mm-hmm. So we obviously know things like when you cut a head off a lettuce, if you cut a cross into the stump and it can grow leaves again and stuff like that. But have either of you tried to regrow things from scraps or have you known anyone who has or I haven't personally it looks too technical for me I always feel about this and I haven't done it and I always wonder whether I I have good intentions to but I've never got around to it um but is it just a bit of a novelty rather than ever having any substance well, that, is what I always wonder. That's one of the things that the article does say that you won't ever get what you need in terms of vegetables from growing from scraps. But yeah. I think it's more of a utilising, like getting a little bit more from what you've already got. I do really hate waste. So any way to you know, minimise and mitigate that is really good, I think. I think we should try it in the office. Yeah. Part of the reason that I think we should try this is because of the fact that we're accidentally growing things in the office anyway, because we're such excellent grayer owners. We don't even have to try. Um, (laughs) It just happens. Never come and look at my gut. But we have basically on our window at the office, we have a bird feeder with lots of bird seed and stuff in it. Naturally. Which yeah, <laughs> which has now sprouted. And these are on the windows around the office. The only bird feeder where the seed has sprouted is Team Grow Your Owns. I think oh. that... Now we just no have a shelf of grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it encourages the birds or deters them, but... Well, I mean... They're not frequent visitors, <laughs> are they? But we've had a few, so the, the grass can't put them off. And a little kind of cheer goes up every time a, a <laughs> and then they <laughs> fly away. Yeah, scares them off again. Um, <sighs> I think, yeah, I think if you can minimise waste in any way, though, that's quite a good thing. And and um, I guess it could be a bit of a gateway way in for some people yeah. to start growing their own more because you. This is, I feel like this is a fad that's come out of Instagram times yeah. because I know a few people that have done this and mm. I have a friend that I follow that um she often posts her avocado um stone that's been turned and it's it's growing it's really really growing and going good guns so um I think it can be a good way of you know this fun slightly novel yeah. thing that can lead people into doing it more seriously or on a bigger scale I think as well that's another thing that the article mentions that um if you're an experienced grower, mm. it might actually be that you're looking for something a little bit challenging, a little bit fun, a little yeah. bit of an experiment. And I think that if it can inject a bit more sort of enthusiasm for things, if it sort of sparks a new interest or reinvigorates how you feel about mm. it, I think. You and know, if it's just fun, you should do it. You yeah. shouldn't yeah. worry about whether it's going to be point have a point I'd love to fun. know what are the most successful things yeah. to regrow from though like, like people what... need to send in their photos yeah if you've mm-hmm. done it and you've had a lot of success then let us know about it because I want to yeah try something that's tried and tested already yeah and let us know the things that we should try in the office so who here likes gin we do <laughs> <Me>. <laughs> we know you love gin Blake <laughs> you tell us frequently I do who doesn't though Gin is the drink of the gods. But <laughs> <laughs> scientists have created the world's first, uh, in brackets, climate positive gin using, <laughs> now I want you to guess what it's made out of. It's not the traditional 
Um, okay. Thing. Do we have to like buzz in to do yes. this? This is, like, this is a game oh, show. Okay. Laura's up. <laughs> Hello. Well, I'm just thinking of things that gin can be flavoured with. Okay. So what are you going for? Rhubarb. Eh, eh. Oh. I was going to say potatoes, but that's... Vodka. Probably, yeah, that's no, vodka. Sorry. Moonshine. You're wrong. Moonshine. <laughs> no, unfortunately not moonshine. <laughs> it is. Drum roll, please. Peas. <laughs> yeah. it is the thing you always wish they would make gin out of peas yeah yeah so <laughs> tell us more i've been learning a lot from this story and basically i did not realize that traditional beverages like beer and whiskey are produced from cereal which requires a lot of artificial fertilizer and actually has quite a negative impact on the world I mm. did not realise yes. no. there was a problem with gin. A big impact on <laughs> greenhouse gases and climate change. So um, what I didn't realise is that alternative crops such as peas or other legumes, such as beans, um, actually miss out on this artificial fertiliser stage. So what is incredible is that, that they actually remove more carbon dioxide than it creates. Wow. It's almost like a carbon positive. Yes, it's like a tree. I'm guessing can where I, it like intakes more yeah. carbon than it releases. Can I also just say here, Rose? I think you've actually broken Blake's heart. Like when you said that for a minute before you saved it with the pea thing. I Blake's know. face was so like my little green heart was just like <laughs> really worried for a second there that I could never. But you can still enjoy your gin. Yes, you, you can. It so has. Is, is this. Available now? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's very new. It might have just come out. It's a distillery, um, Abakiki Distillery. I hope I said that right in Angus, Scotland. Um, and it so it has a total carbon footprint of minus 1.54 kilograms. So it actually has a like it's not. It doesn't have a carbon footprint, as I said. Mm. Um, I don't know what it tastes like, but I hope it tastes nice. Um, so you're saying that I could start. Offsetting my carbon <laughs> by drinking more gin. More gin. So I think you that need is to what we're do saying. that for the environment. <laughs> um, but what makes it even more um, good and climate positive is that during distillation, the leftover pea protein and spent yeast is combined to create a waste product known as pot ale, which can be used to actually feed animals. Wow. And the research team behind it has also investigating whether this protein can be consumed by humans. So it's all about using as much in the fermentation and creation project, a process as possible. So minimising waste. So whereas you might be making other forms of gin and it might sort of create this wastage that you need to get rid of that mm. negatively impacts the environment. But um, This sounds really, really good. It's really great. Yeah. I can't wait for it to come properly to the market Me so too. we can all oh. try it. I'm really excited to try pea gin. And it's, I think it has some lovely flavours in it of lemon and other things. So I'm sure it tastes very nice. Well, I yeah. think we should head and track some down. Yes. Yep. And in the meantime, we will throw across to Chris Collins from the Organic Gardening Catalogue for his Organic Tip of the Week. Of course, not everything that arrives in the garden is welcome. And you need to be able to control some pests and disease to make sure the plants you want there stay healthy. I have one tip for this, I call it DDD. I learned this the first day I was a gardener. And that is basically pick over any dead disease or dying material on the plant. It's a plant hygiene thing. Also try and encourage predators, the hoverfly. What an amazing creature that is. If you plant a bit of fennel in your garden, let it flower, hoverflies will turn up and the larvae of a hoverfly will eat up to 500 aphids a day, doing your work for you the natural way. That's my tip of the week. And now over to the Grow Your Own team for Jobs on the Plot. 
March feels like the month where things really crank up a gear in the garden, with lighter evenings and even the occasional burst of sunshine. Of course, we must still be mindful of frosts and offer any young seedlings protection against the cold, but the lengthening days really signify the season finally being here. It can be a good use of your time to get some spring cleaning done. Remove any spent autumn crops from your plot. This helps discourage overwintering pests and diseases from taking hold this season. If you're a container grower, now is the perfect time to get started with salad leaves. These can be successionally sown every fortnight and also benefit from being able to be brought under cover if any inclement weather hits. You can also bring potted herbs back into growth by giving them a good water and feed around this time. Any undercover growers will need to plan the spacings of their new plants carefully. Ensuring there's adequate space between crops helps to prevent the spread of fungal diseases between plants as the humidity rises. Onions, shallots and garlic can all be planted outdoors this month. They'll do best in a sunny, sheltered site with well-drained soil. Early sowings will need protection from slugs as these slimy critters love tender young leaves almost as much as we do. Use your preferred organic methods to keep them at bay. Until next time, happy growing! Thanks again for listening to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. Whether you're an accomplished organic grower or just interested in learning about growing in a more natural way, the Organic Gardening Catalogue is for you. They're the one-stop shop for all things garden-related. They've got a fantastic selection of seeds, plants, tools and more. Be inspired by growing organic, whether it be in a garden, an allotment or even on a city balcony. Visit organiccatalogue.com for more. And don't forget to subscribe to The Dirt for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your allotment neighbours. We have some really exciting guests coming up and one of them could be you. Do you or someone you know have some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny disasters on the plot? Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know. Plus, as a special treat for a monthly dose of trusted garden advice from the whole Grow Your Own team, we've got an exclusive offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash pod G, that's P-O-D-G, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote pod G to get three issues of Grow Your Own magazine for just £6 and every issue comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.